Hello, everyone. I'm Richard Roberts, and welcome to the Expect a Miracle podcast. So glad you could join me today. Each week, I bring an outstanding guest from the United States, Canada, and nations all around the earth. And today, my longtime friend, Pastor Dan Miner of Harvest Church in Sarasota, Florida, oh, wonderful, beautiful area of the country, uh, is with me today. Pastor Dan, God bless you, and thank you for joining me on the podcast. Oh, I'm so excited to be here with you. Just great. Uh, Dan took over about uh, eight years ago uh, the work that his father, Jim, began many years ago in Sarasota. I know this church. I've been in this church numbers of times. I preached there, had conferences there. I've been there when you were leading worship, and now you're the lead pastor. Share a little bit about the history of the church, Pastor Dan, and, and how you got involved, because I know it's a, it's a family affair. Yeah, it is. You know, uh, the church is kind of unique. I know everyone says that, but um, we always say we're, not, we're all here because we're not all there. <laughs> and, and that's <laughs> right. So that's kind of our vibe. Um, my dad started the church with my mom in 1985, moved here and with really nothing and five kids and nothing in their bank account and just believed they will, you know, God wanted them to build a work here. And about um, uh, four or five years later, they got a, a prophetic word from a guy that was here that really kind of set the course of what this became over the last now over 35 years. Um, and that was simply that uh, we would not be a comfortable church. It wouldn't be just a church for people to come and be comfortable in, but we'd be a church that would reach out to the ones that had been rejected and ostracized or really the people that were found themselves in a part of society where uh, their own families had given up on them. And things began to change fairly quickly. And um, we became a church where three quarters of our budget or sometimes more is dedicated to outreach and what we do in the community. And only about a quarter of our budget actually goes to the church and its admin and programs. Uh, it's a very kind of, you know, churches try to say if, we, if we're doing 10% or, or even 15% for outreach, that's a big deal. Ours is about 80%, um, give or take on a year. And that's kind of been the model of our church. We run very thin operationally on the church side and push as much resources as we can into the community. But uh, after now 30 years of running what we call Harvest House, now we have about 400 beds in Sarasota and Manatee County here um, that are for homeless um, families with children, um, uh, unaccompanied youth who have aged out of foster care system. And then our, our program that we've had the longest are those that, are, that are, have a history of incarceration or some sort of substance abuse. Um, now, so how, we're, how have you worked with the state of Florida on that? Because I know you've had a lot of help. Yeah, we've our biggest help has come from local and private foundations and donors. But we have worked with the state of Florida. Our, our, actually, the first major construction project we did to build um, some two-story duplexes. We built two two-story duplexes uh, here was through a HUD grant with the state of Florida. Mm -hmm. um, so we, as we have begun to open up our um, kind of our minds a little bit. We grew up old school, which is God will provide. So we don't need help from anybody or anything. You know how that, that kind of sure. thing. And I still believe in the miraculous power of God financially, but we realized that there was all these other people out there that wanted to help us that didn't necessarily want to change us. Cause that was kind of the old school way of, of what we were told that if you let, if you let the government in or you let foundations in, they're going to tell you, you can't do this or you can't do that with your faith. And that hasn't really been the case for the majority of the time. Um, anything that we've received in donations from foundations or things they've said, don't change what you're doing. We don't care. We know that you have a faith-based model. Keep doing it, but we want to support it because it's working. 
What has it, what's been the reaction in the community, the, the Sarasota community? Well, I mean, in the last, especially in the last five to 10 years, uh, give, you know, in that range, we've kind of gone from relatively unknown to probably one of the most, and I, and I really owe it to our team and my sister who happens to run the program over there. Um, and, and I really owe it to what they do day in and day out, but we've become one of the most well-respected nonprofits in our community. And this is a community with some pretty strong, you know, nonprofits. So yeah, it's pretty amazing. And still have been able to maintain our faith-based, um, you know, foundation, which is neat. Well, that's amazing. 400 beds. And, and you, how many did you start with? Do you remember? My parents mortgaged their house and took an equity line out to build, to buy another house. And it was six beds. Six and we started, beds. and we started with three guys. 30 years ago. <laughs> and and uh, the last time I was down there, your sister was, was running it then, and she's doing a whale of a great job. Oh, she's something else. I, I hear you know something, a thing or two about strong, intelligent women. Uh, as a matter of fact, well, you know what? It, it's amazing um, that you brought that up because uh, uh, my father prophesied before he died that the next great move of God was coming among women. Wow. And women are to have their place today. They're not to take a man's place, but they're to have their own place. And I've been, in fact, I just finished writing a partner letter about the strong women in the Bible who, who took their place. They weren't ashamed. They didn't, they weren't reticent. They didn't, they didn't step back from their own calling. Esther is a good example. Uh, Rahab is a good example. Miriam is an example. There are many, uh, Mary Magdalene, there are many examples in the Bible of, of women who stood their ground. And uh, your sister is a lot like that. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, I, she is. She, she more than stands her ground. She'll stand her ground and take your ground and a person's ground and she's something else. Um, I literally, two minutes before we got on there, I'm on the phone with her. I'm like, hey, hey, listen, just listen to me for a second. You know, she doesn't play. Uh, but um, I don't know if people know this. I've had an opportunity to really get to know your family behind the scenes, the Roberts family, and hear your stories of both heartache and triumph. And I don't know if people realize what an advocate and a champion you've been as a husband and a father and friend to other women out there um, where you've really taken that word from your dad and have put your name and resources and encouragement behind uh, so many women and, and women that are listening to this podcast need to understand uh, that uh, that's been a huge before uh, I know this book that's coming out with, uh, with Lindsay and before yeah, it's, it's just, been released, stuff, just been released uh, yeah, nationally. Yeah. It's been That's running. Awesome. It was running uh, number one on the pre-sale list on Amazon for, for Christian Christian publications. I, they call it Pneumatology Division. I, why I don't know, but that's what they call it. It's Holy Spirit. It's what this has been running one and one and two on that. Yeah, can I tell you what I think for for a moment on that? Sure. I know the book is geared for women to read, but I think men should read it too, because I think that the church has needed a shift in kind of our understanding of how valuable women are in the construct of church. I, I've done a lot of teaching about that. And a lot of times we feel like, oh, it's just to encourage women in their, you know, in what God's called them to be and do. But it also takes, because unfortunately in some of the constructs that are out there, they're very male dominated. And uh, we've actually in our own board, I know it's controversial. Some people like it, don't like it. That's okay, because to each their own. But even in our own board, I've tried to maintain a male-female ratio because I believe the female perspective is very valuable in making making decisions for the future. You and I both know 
we have we're good at some things and there's some things we're not good at you know yeah we need to recognize where we're not good we recognize those areas where we are are short Uh, you know the 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 gift of the discerning of spirits operates more in my opinion operates more in women than it does in men because they are more sensitively made than we men are and we need to pay attention i i have a a good mix on our board as well and i thank god for that Uh, tell me a little bit that's a big deal that's a big deal like I, people need to hear that and realize that you've probably had uh, gotten flack for it. You've probably, I mean, you started doing this decades ago when people, this wasn't really the, the topic du jour in the church and the modern church now, maybe not so much, but people need to realize, and I'm not trying to make you think you're wonderful, but <laughs> people need to realize you guys are listening to me. I know this guy, he has been doing this and progressive in in his thought and structure and leadership for a long time. And you don't oftentimes get the credit for it, but I I wanna say that, like I've watched you do that way before it was something that was being heavily talked about, you know? Well, thank you very much, that's very kind of you. Um, And I'll just, all you viewers and listeners, uh, Lindsay's new book, Discover Your True Worth is available now, and you can get it now. It's just released a few days ago. You mentioned uh, uh, also uh, strong women uh, taking their place, um, it reminds me of as I was growing up, my father was always a proponent of women in ministry. I remember when Catherine Kuhlman passed away. Yeah. Um, of course, he he ministered at her at her memorial service, but he put her on the front on the front cover of our magazine, and he got some criticism because he put Catherine Kuhlman on. And he has always said that women are to have their place in ministry, and he had a very unusual take on the scripture which says women should be silent in the church, which has been misunderstood and abused by many. He said the reason why the apostle Paul said that was because at that time they were being martyred for their faith. And mm-hmm. the men were being martyred, they were being crucified, they were being boiled in oil, they are being fed to wild animals in the, in the Colosseum in Rome. And that was not to keep women silent, that was to protect them and protect their families and their children. Had nothing to do with them not being able to speak in the church. Yeah. Well, I mean, context, 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 right? I mean, that's that's a huge part of my art. I've, a lot of what we've been teaching in church here has been, I've been spending more time learning history lately than I have the Bible because I've, I've read the Bible, I understand the stories, but as I've been discovering and diving into history and understanding, like you said, what was going on during the time, it makes those scriptures come to a whole new, you know, cognitive level for us. It really makes sense of what we're understanding when you know what was going on at the time, because the historical kind of context isn't necessarily there in the word of God, but it's so valuable, important. It's like the container, you know, for everything. You don't have the container, just you can't quite get the substance out of it. So that's great. Yeah. Now you live in a state that's uh, heavily in the news lately. Yeah, Uh, sure is. With this... uh, with this critical uh, teaching and all that's going on and and what your governor is doing. Uh, Can you share a little bit about about what's going on in Florida right now? And I I know you you have to be involved in it because you live there. Yeah, you know, uh, it's difficult thing for me here because we do so much in the social justice world that it's very hard to kind of um, get heavily involved. Uh, they're, They're really trying to shape my, my, my brother and my mom. I come from a long line of teachers, so I have a very unique perspective on both sides. And I often, if I'm being real with you, I oftentimes feel like we're taking these little like um, examples, like 
some school somewhere in some city in Florida was teaching this and we can all look at it and go, that's outlandish. No kids should be learning that, but it's not happening across the state, you know? Um, and so then it's there's isolated, this big uproar. Incidents. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's this big uproar and there's a huge movement of parents here um, that are trying to protect their children, which I'm all about. I have kids. I want to protect my kids, but I really think um, I really feel a lot of the times that in our state, that people who have really good intentions then get used as political pawns on both sides to really create a war because you know the powerful get more powerful when we're all fighting as opposed to sitting down and actually talking and coming to some conclusions without those outside influences. So I've been trying to, and even in my own community, to try to balance some of those things out. We had a pastor here locally that went to our school board meeting and just really used the name of God in a way that none of us would be comfortable and really condemning people, um, people who just thought different, looked different, you know, believed different. And he did it in the name of God. And he's a well-respected guy in the community. And I, and he literally threatened every school board member we had. And I just, I, you know, the only time Jesus got that angry was in the temple when it, when it was the, those that were the Pharisees and the religious. I just don't think that the going into a school board meeting in the name of God and threatening people is the way to go. You know what I mean? Well, and, uh, it reminds me of the, of the phrase, let us sit down and reason together. Let us talk yeah. with one another. Let us, let us give different opinions and let us go back and forth and let's find something that we can live with. Yep. And so I, I went in and um, kind of the next board meeting and kind of offered a different perspective from the faith community. And I got a chance to literally say to the, the school board and to the teachers and the administrators, you know, I'm sorry for the way that you've been screamed at and yelled at in the name of God. That's actually not who we are as believers. And as a pastor in our community, I want you to know that's different. And I believe the only solution is if we can sit down with teachers and administrators and school board people and parents and have a reasonable conversation. And within about 10 minutes, three of the school board members had called me on my cell phone and said, I was moved to tears. Thank you so much. We want to do something. We want to do what's right for our kids. We're not anti this or anti that. And we want somebody who represents the faith community to be involved in the process. So, you know, for me, it's like, I don't want to go to war. I don't think we're going to accomplish anything. I want to really do what Jesus was, which is to, to bring peace and mercy and compassion and empathy into situations and to bring people together instead of dividing and and creating these political wars where even when even when one side wins, do we really win? Right. And that's my heart. It's like, let's stop that, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, try to try to bring peace. Because, listen, I'm like you. I got I got vinegar in my veins and I'm always ready for a fight. <laughs> but, you know, it's like uh, I'm getting to the point now. I, you can't see it because I I darken this a little bit artificially, if you know what I mean. But this is all gray normally. And uh, I, I'm there and I'm, I'm tired listen, of fighting. I gave up darkening my hair years ago. It, it was it was a losing battle. And, and I did more damage to the bathroom, uh, to the sink and to the floor than I did. And I got, so I just finally gave it up. Well, so you what you see, see there's a is what bit, you get. There's a little bit of gray coming through now, but I did it last week and I walked in. We have a spiritual development class for our guys and girls in the house that I teach every Wednesday. And uh, I came in and one of the guys that leads it, he goes, what's going on with you? I go, what? He goes, you look like boy George. And I went, oh, geez, that's not what I'm going for. <laughs> Yeah, well, my wife, my wife and kids look at me like this. I had, I had a last year. I, I, I had a full beard, and she, <laughs> I, I looked like I was a cross between Kenny Rogers and Santa Claus. <laughs> 
Uh, Listen, I've been talking. I've been talking to Chloe. She tells me how she's keeping you uh, up to date on your clothing stuff. Uh, we've been all I need to say to you is we've been talking about socks. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> Just remember, I know some stories about you as well. <laughs> I'll zip it. I'll okay. It Dan, if you had, if this coming Sunday was the last message you ever preached, what would you say? Um, I would, I, I mean, I don't even have to think about that. I would do everything in my power to let people know that what, uh, you know, that veil or that thing in their life that they feel like is presenting, preventing them from entering into seeing Jesus face to face really has been rent from top to bottom. Uh, my heart is to remove the obstacles, the barriers, the the road, uh, the things in the road that people feel, whether they put it on themselves or it's parents or it's bad religion or it's a teacher or it's just the drudge and the the scum of life. Um, my my thing, I want to clear the way out for people to come to the throne room of God. Um, I don't care. I don't. I don't get caught up in the minutia and the fighting. And do you get? You know. I think we we try to tell people to take a sh- you know to take a bath before they get in the shower. It's like I believe there's something here in the presence of God that will change and transform you from the inside out. So I don't care what you bring into the equation. And I think people, so many people, won't darken the doors of a church because they don't believe they're worthy. They don't believe they're loved, accepted, received. And the church can be so mean. And man, I, if there's one thing that keeps you up at night, it's trying to change that perspective for people to realize that um, people of faith that really follow the teachings of Jesus are not mean. They're not exclusive. They actually really do uh, want to open their arms up. You know, I was just in Rome with my daughter and, uh, you know, we have lots of bones to pick with the Catholic Church and on some things, of course. But, you know, one of the things they did when they built that that square that you come into, that Vatican Square, is they built the, the the whole thing to look like open arms. You know, it's like giant open arms when you walk into that square and see yes, St. Peter's Basilica. And the whole message that they were trying to send to the people is that God's arms are open. And the prodigal son and and seeing that picture of the father waiting and looking from afar off, waiting and then running to meet. I, I want people to know that he is running to meet them. If they don't have to jump through all the hoops and climb through the river and, you know, crocodile-infested river and the whole deal to get to him. He's actually running to them. All they have to do is say yes and jump into his arms. That's my heart. Well, when I was when I was growing up, uh, much of the church uh, was so judgmental. Uh, they only wanted certain people in the church. They didn't want people bringing their problems. Uh, they would say, uh, leave your problems at the door and come and worship the Lord. And it always offended me because I can't think of a better place to bring your problems than to bring them to the church <laughs> yeah, where, where they can have a chance for the miracle touch of God in their lives. So I, I'm with you 100%. I can't tell you how many times somebody's gave gave a testimony in our church and slipped out a cuss word, you know, in the middle of it. And, and I understand that that's like not appropriate in church, but actually if you're really reading into the situation, you realize they haven't actually been in this long enough to get their act, you know, quote unquote, cleaned up and to play by the rules to even know that's not appropriate, you know? And to me, that always said to me that that's the type of place that I don't want to, you know, you, you know what I mean? That's the type of house I want where people can come and they don't quite get it, but they, but they're on their way to getting it. And in the process of getting it, it's going to look a little messy. My dad grown up my whole life has said, you know what, you know what you get when you have a lot of sheep in the barn. Uh, yeah. <laughs> 
Well, and it should be messy. It, and if it's not, if church isn't messy, Richard, I don't know what you're doing. You know, well, it's we got to be this, messy. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. We are human beings yeah. and we slip and we fall and we make mistakes. But the good news is we can get back up. We can repent and say, God, I'm sorry. Help me not to do that again. You know, yeah. they're there. But for the grace of God, uh, the, you know, go I. And there, I, there was a time in my life when I was not serving God. There was a time in my life when I told my dad, get the hell out of my life. But I yep. came, I came to a point where I, where my life changed and I gave my heart to the Lord and, and my father was no longer on my back, but we were side by side. But you, you go through those human things in life. Everyone does. And, and you can't, uh, you know, and you know, yeah. when you, and when you point a finger at somebody like I'm doing right now, notice you got three fingers pointing back at yourself. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Richard, two days ago, and, I, and I'm, and I'm telling you two days ago, so Monday, uh, a, a young couple that had had come through the doors of our church and come through our program and we knew weren't right on the right path. Um, they just, you know, some people don't get it the first time, but to a couple, um, and we, we hadn't heard from them and we were checking on them and trying to connect with them. They weren't in our program anymore. And, uh, both of them have kids. They were just starting to get custody back of their kids, jobs, their life was coming back together. And we, we could tell they probably had relapsed because none of their friends had heard from them. So they reached out to us. My, my brother and one of our main guys has been with us for, for, for about 15 years, went over to their house and found them both overdosed on fentanyl on the ground, entangled with each other, dead uh. two days ago. You know, um, and, and in the gnarliest, I don't, I don't want to freak out your listeners or viewers, but in the gnarliest of scenes like something out of a horror movie. My brother gave CPR to the guy. Um, they had to try to untangle them. They Narcan them eight, nine, 10 times each as they're on the phone with the EPF, EMS because we carry Narcan with us, our team does here. Like, I, I gotta be with, real with you. I don't have time for the stupid games and the arguments that we get involved with on Facebook, on whatever church, all the nonsense that's out there when that's the reality of what we're looking at and dealing with. It is life or death. And when someone comes through the doors of our church, whether it's a church like mine or someone that has a different mission, these are, this is life and death. And we should present a gospel that opens opens up uh, the Father's arms to them and receives them in, because you never know. You never know what's going to happen tomorrow. And unfortunately, I'm only 41, and I, I say that I'm, I'm going to have to stop saying only here soon, but I'm 41 and I have done way, way, way too many funerals of people under the age of 30 and looked their parents in the face and said, I'm sorry. You know, um, I don't know what to tell you other than I'm sorry. And that reality is, is sobering to the point that I try to stay away from all the other stuff. I want to preach Jesus and the beauty of his life and his name and that the goodness of God is what draws people to metanoia, you know, repentance to change their mind. It's not condemnation. It's not pressure. It's not manipulation. It's the goodness of God. And that's my heart. And God gave his son not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Thank you for pastoring there in Sarasota in a, a tough area of the city. I've been there a number of times. You're in a tough area. Yeah. You're doing a great work. And I know that our listeners and viewers are having their hearts touched today by your message. Before we close, would you just pray over the needs of people, then let me pray? 
Yes, I will. Can I say one more thing, Richard? Sure. Is that okay? Of course. Richard, I want to tell you this. I believe this with my whole heart. Uh, your family, your life, um, your, of course, your dad, but what you carry and what your your kids are doing with you and you and your wife, you have an amazing gift and the world needs to continue to hear it. Thank you. And new ge- new generations need to hear it. And when you're promoting and putting your wife's book out there, you're not just trying to sell more of Lindsay's books. No. Um, that message is life-saving. People need to hear it. They need to pick it up. You guys don't need to sell more books. That's not the purpose. But I, I have watched you guys. I've known you for a while now, seen you behind the scenes. And um, I love you with my whole heart. Thank Your you. family is the real deal. The pain you've been through, the stuff you've experienced, and the fact that you're not just serving God, but you're doing it with all your might. Um, is a testimony to your strength, your courage, and your faith. And I love your family so much, and thank I appreciate you. you. Thank you. Father, we just thank you for this time together. Thank you for the Roberts family and his team, what they're doing all over the world, the things that people don't even know about, the children being fed, the lives being touched, people being healed, um, transformed. Lord, knowing that God loves them just because they, he heals them in a moment or feeds them or they're going to school or whatever it is, Lord. And we just thank you for them. We thank you for this time together. And I'm praying and believing that those that have listened to this point in this podcast or watch this video, that they will just have a new sense of clarity in their mission here on the earth, that they won't allow the noise and the distractions that seem to come with life, uh, with all the stuff that's happening in the earth today to cloud their vision, that they will see clearly the beautiful eyes of Jesus and what he's drawing them to and those around them. We thank you for that clarity today, Father. We ask you to bless them abundantly and continue to pour out your favor upon them. And I set my faith in agreement with Dan's prayer. I set my faith with you, my friend, and I come against whatever it is that has come against you. If it's spiritual or physical or financial or emotional or in your job or your business or your ministry or your marriage or wherever it is, in the authority and whatever it is, in the authority of Jesus' name, I come against Satan. I remind you that Jesus said, whatever you bind on earth is going to be bound in heaven. And so I bind that in Jesus' name off of you. But he also said, whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And so I loose the power of God into your life right now, into your mind, into your body, into your family, into your finances, into your health, into every area of your life. And I take authority over that which has come against you and bind it off of you. And I pray for you to be healed today, healed in every area of your life, from the crown of your head even unto the soles of your feet. Not in my name, but in the name of Jesus, whose name is above every name named in heaven and earth. I pray this over you. And Pastor Dan, I pray over you and your family and the great work at Harvest Church there in Sarasota. Keep it up, keep it up, keep it up in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Pastor, for being a part of this program today. Thank you so much. God bless you. And thank you all for joining me today on Expect a Miracle with Richard Roberts. I'll see you next time with a brand new guest. To request Lindsay's book, Discover Your True Worth, just go to oralroberts.com slash bookstore or call 1-844-828-1412.